High-performing teams aren't really all that different from regular teams. They just act entirely differently. Hey leader, David Burkus here, organizational psychologist and author of five best-selling books on helping leaders and teams do their best work ever. And especially in helping leaders create high-performing teams. And I say create here because the role of a leader is really to turn the team that they have, most leaders don't get the chance to build a team from scratch, and turn that team into a high-performing one. And it can be really difficult. You just let yourself off the hook and go, well, I don't have talented people. But when you look at the research on high-performing teams, that's not actually the case most often. It's not necessarily about talent. High-performing teams aren't the ones with special abilities and talents. Sometimes they have a few really talented individuals, but more often, they're the ones who figured out how best to work with each other, how to collaborate with each other in a way that builds upon the unique talents of every specific person. And that requires a lot of what I call common understanding. Now, common understanding is sort of an amalgam term for a bunch of different things that we see in the research, but it's what happens when a team has a commonly held sense of the team's expertise, assigned tasks, but also personality differences, work preferences, strengths, and weaknesses. I divide common understanding into two areas for leaders. Does the team have a sense of clarity? And does the team have a collective empathy? And in this episode, we're gonna talk about the importance of each and give you a way you can get started building each on your team. Let's get started. So the first element of common understanding is clarity. Does the team have clarity on roles and responsibilities, tasks, deadlines, and do they have a sense of reliability that the other members of the team are going to deliver on that? Clarity matters because people need to know what's expected of them and what to expect of the team, and also people are most engaged and most likely to experience flow and have positive work outcomes when what's expected of them is sort of a perfect match for what they're at the capacity to deliver. If they're doing work that is below their talents, then they're going to be bored. And if they have too many demands or tasks that are above their abilities to do, they're going to be overwhelmed. But there's a sweet spot there, and the goal of the team is to make sure that the most number of people are in that sweet spot. To do that, you don't just want individual clarity, you want the whole team aware of what's going on so that we can divvy up tasks, create deadlines, help each other out, and call for help in a way that keeps everyone at that sweet spot. Now to get there, to get everyone at their sweet spot, one of the activities that I like to do the most with teams is called a huddle. A huddle is actually a term that I took from the world of agile software development. In agile, it's called a scrum or a daily stand-up. Scrum is a, a rugby term. I'm an American. I have no idea how rugby works. None. I've, I've had it explained to me. I still don't get it. I'm like the Ted Lasso of rugby, right? But I know how American rules football works. And in American rules football, you often have the huddle, the short syncing up of action when we decide on the play and then we get to action. And that's what we're looking to do on a regular basis. Could be daily, could be every other day, could be weekly. The most I've seen teams succeed in huddles is every other week, so I wouldn't push it beyond that. We're getting the team together and we're getting the team together and answering a couple key questions that help everyone sync up. My favorite three questions are, what did I just complete? What am I focused on next? What's blocking my progress? I mean, think about the answers to those three questions. What did I just complete this week between now and the previous time when we met? What did I complete? What am I focused on next? Meaning between now and the next time we meet, what are my priorities? And then what's blocking my progress? In other words, where do I need help? 
Where, when I look at everything that I'm committed to doing over the next week, where do I need some support? Where am I worried about potential roadblocks? What resources am I lacking? So that everyone has a chance to, to answer that to everyone else. Now, that's the other important thing. This is something we hear as a whole team. This is not something your direct reports report directly to you, but something everybody is sharing with each other. Because that's going to build trust and reliability in the team over time as people see themselves committing to stuff and then the next week reporting that they checked it off. But it's also gonna let the team opt into helping each other more and increase collaboration in that regard. Now there's a side benefit here too, which is gonna let you keep tabs on people and figure out who the sort of social loafers or slackers are without feeling like a micromanager. Because if somebody is saying that they're committing to doing the same thing every week and it's never getting done, we have a problem, right? The other thing you wanna look out for is as people share what am I focused on next, we wanna make sure they're talking about action items, priorities, tasks, that they're not just reading their calendar. If they are reading their calendar, then what you probably wanna do is increase the amount of time between certain meetings because people aren't focusing enough on those tasks and maybe they're just seeing this meeting as routine. Now that huddle is going to build that awareness of how your work fits into the rest of the team and why it's so important and that's gonna build clarity, that first element of common understanding. The second element of common understanding is empathy. And this is how well the team empathizes with each other. Maybe not empathy in the in the friendship or romantic relationship way where we feel each other's pain, but this is how well can I see things from the perspective of other people on the team. Do I know their strengths and weaknesses? Am I aware of their work preferences? Do I know what else is going on in their life and how that's going to affect their work? Because there is, after all, no such thing as work-life balance. Work and life and all those other spheres are integrated, they overlap with each other, and they affect our ability to perform in each sphere. So do I know that? Am I aware of that? and a team. When you have that sense of empathy, what you get is a lot less conflict, number one, because people can see things from each other's perspectives and see how they benefit from the diversity of all of those different opinions. But you also get increases in collaboration because people know how to phrase certain things or even what medium of communication to use. Just think about a simple communication tool like email. If we know who on the team likes to send long emails that are sort of a whole summation of all of their thoughts on an issue, and we know who likes to send the short, quick ones, we know how to respond to those people and we know not to take it personally when they're asking us to read uh, a huge email. We know who to call instead of sending an email to and we know who would benefit from us putting our thoughts into text. And if we do that, we can collaborate a whole lot more. That's one example of one type of collaboration. Imagine the benefits of empathy on a team writ large across all of the different ways we collaborate. Now the best way, in my opinion, to build that sense of empathy on a team is through an activity I like to call manual of me, or writing teammate manuals, or user's manual to me. There's a bunch of different terms for this, but the idea is we ask each person on the team to give a presentation on themselves, right? To talk about who they are, what their work preferences are, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and what they need from the team, and give that out to the team. I structure these usually by sending instructions out ahead of time around four key questions. And I ask people to reflect on these four questions. They're fill in the blank questions. I'm at my best when blank. I'm at my worst when blank. You can count on me to blank. And what I need from you is blank. Fill in the blank for all four and think about what you're filling in. You're reporting on strengths and weaknesses. You're reporting on environmental factors that make you feel at your best or at your worst. You're reporting on how you can best support the team and you're reporting on the support you need from the team. So I ask people to reflect on those ahead of time and then we have a meeting where we share those out, where we have each person give their report on themselves and then we allow some time for discussion and questions 
And then when it's all over and we've had everyone uh, share and we've everyone discuss and we've discussed how we're gonna change our behavior based on knowing this information about people, I take all of those reports and I put them somewhere the whole team can access them, right? Some shared folder, maybe it's in the company intranet, maybe it's a place in the office if we're all co-located, but somewhere they can go back and see them for reference. And I do this because when conflicts happen, these become helpful tools to understand what might be driving that conflict and when new members of the team join, these are super helpful tools for getting that person up to speed on what's different about each member of the team. Now, manuals of me are not a huddle. This is not a fast meeting, and this isn't something you could just do as an icebreaker at the beginning of your regular weekly meeting. This is probably gonna be a dedicated activity. I find it works best if you're already planning on, I don't know, let's say a lunch or a dinner or some extended period of time where you're in a community with the rest of the team and you're in kind of a safe space, that's the best time to do these. But don't count on doing it fast. In fact, the longer it takes, probably the more robust conversation you're gonna have. But your huddles, by contrast, should be fast. And when you pair huddles with manuals of me and you build that sense of clarity and empathy, you're gonna increase the shared understanding and the collective intelligence of the team. And what you're gonna find is something incredible. As we know how to collaborate better, how to share out tasks better, and really just how to listen and understand each other better, what you're gonna find is that the performance the team is capable of exceeds the average or, or even kind of the ceiling of capacity based on the individual talents of the team. That's why common understanding is the foundation for high-performing teams. You don't get what Stephen Covey would have called synergy, what we're just gonna call high performance. You don't get that from a team unless the team understands who they're working with and how to work with them. And building clarity and empathy, in other words, building common understanding does that. It creates a team that has an elevated level of capable performance. It creates a team where everyone on the team feels like they can do their best work ever. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. And if you really liked it and you wanna go deeper and lead smarter, then check out the amazing resources we have for you at davidberkuscom slash resources. Guaranteed there's something in there that'll help you or your team do its best work ever.